Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Please be seated. You might recall the well-known hymn, Blessed Assurance. The first few verses go like this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. In today's readings, we find they validate these words. Listen to the assuring promises in the language. In the Old Testament reading today, the exiles in Babylon returned to their homeland to rebuild the temple. They're discouraged and see a faint shadow of former glory. But God sends the prophet Haggai to encourage them. I am with you according to the promise that I made when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. And then in our psalm today, the psalmist assures us, the Lord is near to those who call upon his name. The Lord preserves all, all those who love him. And then many hundreds of years later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reminding the church of Thessalonica not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. For the day of the Lord is already here. Then there's our gospel reading. And we find Jesus proclaiming the same blessed assurance. Here we have Jesus in Jerusalem. He is teaching at the temple and having skirmishes with the religious authorities, the Sadducees. You see, Jesus is not okay with the way things are going. And he's simply trying to change them. He offers them a different way of seeing things. The Sadducees of ancient Israel, well, they are not without a religion of sorts. But it seems to have very little to do <clears throat> with the time and place where they lived. Their religion appears to be stored away in some kind of a religious museum in the past. Their God had done great things in the past, but where was he now? Their eyes were not open to what was right in front of them. Spiritually speaking, the Sadducees had become stagnant. Their religion had stopped growing. Couldn't teach them anything new because it seems they're locked in the past. Any thought about God or any idea about life that could not be found in the book of Moses, which was their Bible, wasn't worth knowing. And since they couldn't find anything there about the resurrection, it was, of course, not true. So it's no surprise that they show up to question Jesus when he's teaching. 
And it's no surprise that they are trying to trip up Jesus again. Their problem with the teaching of Jesus is that it leaves no room for them to reason it out. They couldn't logically think through it. It made no sense. There were way too many loopholes, too many unanswerable questions. Nothing was verifiable. This seems to be the main point of the religious disagreement with Jesus. Jesus is simply trying to get them to update their religion and to see God in the events of today. Now maybe we no longer have a group called the Sadducees. This religious sect and political party has long since passed, but their relatives linger in our midst. We see and probably know many people whose religion has stopped growing, perhaps even our own. How does this happen? Do they get trapped in the past either by idealizing it or despising it? To see God, do we feel a necessity to look behind us? It may be an easy thing to do because our focus in our culture today is certainly not on God. We've removed him from so much. I'm sure that grieves him. But God is not behind us. He is with us and ahead of us, and he urges us forward and calls us simply to catch up with him. Friends, our best days are not in the past. They're in the future. But when our faith stops growing, we're in danger of forgetting that. In one way or another, it seems to me, the problem with the Sadducees really troubles all of us. Because they couldn't understand the thought of life after death, but neither can we. They couldn't figure out the details of it, but can we? They lived in a time when science, at least as we know it, was virtually non-existent. But we live in a time when scientific knowledge and technology explodes around us. Our lives are invaded with it. Yet in all of this, we too don't have any hard evidence that the human personality survives death any more than they did. But still, we believe it. Our creed of the church ends with this statement. I believe in the resurrection of the body and in life everlasting. So what do we make of the Sadducees and people that we might know like them? Were the Sadducees facing facts and us as believers clinging on to an illusion? No, not at all. Because friends, faith goes beyond reason. It truly functions in a realm that Reason can't touch. If faith were merely rational and we were able to reason through it, 
then we might try and attempt to and explain and rationalize every single experience that we encounter. How do we put into words our encounter with the living God when we come to his table at the communion room? When you're on your knees in church? Or when you're on your knees in your prayer closet? What about the strength he provides you during an illness? Or as he so tenderly holds you as you grieve the loss of a loved one. Let's look at it this way. Take, for example, the realm of beauty. We've all enjoyed beautiful experiences for which we often find there are no words to even articulate the experience itself. There's no rational explanation. I know very little about classical music. I wish I did. I love it. I can't talk about it, though, in terms of musical theory. And the notes on the page, well, I never quite mastered that when I took piano lessons as a little girl. My knowledge is really limited. But I can and I do listen to a great orchestra and choir playing and singing Handel's Messiah. And when I hear that, I rise to my feet and I feel it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Every cell of my body experiences that. The music simply washes over me. This is not scientific. It's real. There are dimensions of beauty that cannot be reached by reason alone. And love is the same thing. We can't call it rational because it isn't. <clears throat> Neither can we call it irrational. It too lies beyond the realm of reason. I read years ago during the event of a San Francisco earthquake Rescuers were able to save a young boy, but only after removing the body of his mother from on top of him. Why would a mother do that? Maybe we call it heroism, a sense of duty. Maybe we call it love. But it cannot be rationally explained because it lies beyond the reach of reason. And what about our Christian faith? Much of what we do as followers of Jesus Christ cannot be scientifically demonstrated or rationally explained. Because we are people of the resurrection. The truth is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us today. He brings joy, not always happiness and contentment, which are lovely in their own right, but joy. Joy like when a newborn baby enters into the world 
or joy as we draw near to the Father's heart. Jesus brings us new opportunities, unimagined, unseen, until revealed by experiencing him. Jesus simply calls us as his followers to receive this gift and to take it into the world as people of the resurrection because, friends, we have what it takes. We're people of the light, and we are called to be the light for all people so they can see Jesus, God's salvation, and be swept up into his gracious arms, healed, whole, forgiven, loved, and free. Now, faith is a constant journey. We never fully arrive, at least in this life. Now, part of us may not like the idea of that constant journey. We live in a society where everything is now. Frankly, it sounds exhausting, and sometimes it is. Maybe we'd rather nestle up to the sacred and soak it all up in peace. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with taking that pause. Contemplation is important. But setting down for any length of time or being satisfied by having made it this far is risky. Because that sense of contentment can easily become complacency. And that inches us over ever closer to that of the Sadducees who were so self-satisfied. Just as the Sadducees tried to trip up Jesus, we are confronted with the same attitude of sorts. We contend with the things and the matters of this world. We contend with the forces of this world, and we contend with the lies of the enemy. And those lies try to convince us that we are not worthy of such grace and such power. But this, friends, is a perfect example of what grace is. Because we are not worthy. Not one of us. Paul makes it clear in Romans and he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, and this is what we've got to know, we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. God willingly lavishes this grace and his love upon us out of an endless reservoir of love. And there's nothing more clearly that demonstrates this than the cross. This is the gospel message. And this is our lifeline. We are set free. And we become a channel and we are used by God. And we're comforted. But we become the channel through whom God comforts others. And here's the awesome thing. 
We are doubly blessed because a living channel absorbs some of whatever flows through it. Henri Nouwen says it beautifully in his book, Life of the Beloved, and I quote, it's only when we claim for ourselves the life of God's spirit during the many moments of our life that we expect death to be the door to the fullness of life. Eternal life is not some great surprise that comes unannounced at the end of our existence in time. It's rather the full revelation of what we have been and live all along. Now we may wait to attain the full glory of the Lord, but know this, a measure of that is already present. St. Paul makes it clear in Romans 8, and he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor height nor depth or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that ends in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, how can Paul be so sure of that? Did he have some proof that maybe he's not available to the rest of us? No. His assurance was the certainty of his faith, which is a gift from God, and his relationship with the living God. And you and I, we have that same blessed assurance. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.